2: Let me make it real practical for you just give you a few suggestions you want his will to be done in your life then make a decision to give him the first hour of your day what if the first thing you did every day you wake up is just give an hour to God Give him your best. Spend time with him. Welcome in his to The Barnabas
1: Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis.
2: Joni Erickson Tata broke her neck in a diving accident, and she became a quadriplegic She talks about the many discouragements that she faced. But she said one of her most depressing thoughts was when she began to realize that she could no longer kneel in prayer. And then she writes, Then I remembered the kingdom resurrection. Just before the party gets going in heaven, the wedding feast of the Lamb, the first thing I plan to do on my resurrected legs is to drop on grateful, glorified knees and kneel quietly before the feet of Jesus. And then I'm going to be on my feet dancing. Can you imagine the hope that gives someone with a permanent spinal cord injury? Can you imagine the hope that this gives even to one who is a manic depressive? No other religion promises new bodies, a new material universe. Only in the gospel of Christ do people hurting like me find such enormous hope to live. No more crippled legs. No more broken hearts. And if that's not enough, this is detailed in Revelation 21. It says, I saw the holy city, the the new Jerusalem, the kingdom, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband, the kingdom. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and, and he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God, the kingdom. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I don't know about you, but I've cried a lot more these last couple of years. But in the kingdom, he wipes away the tears. And there'll be no more death. Even this week, one of our dear friends, a faithful part of our family, lost his young brother to this awful illness. But in the kingdom, there's no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old things are passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new in the kingdom. What do you need God to make new in you? Does your zeal for your faith need to be made new? Do you need relational wholeness? Does your marriage need to be made new? Does your passion for your vocation or or perhaps discovery of a vocation, does that need to be new in your life? Then that's why we pray that His kingdom might come. We're longing for heaven here. Jonathan Evans, the son of Tony Evans, describes how he spoke at his mother's funeral after her long ordeal with cancer. He was saying that he, it was as if he prayed, but God didn't answer his prayer. He asked God to heal her, but God did not heal her. And then he said, it's as if God told him, just because I didn't answer your prayer your way doesn't mean I didn't answer the prayer anyway." He said God concluded, he concluded that God did answer their prayers. Either she was going to be healed or she was going to be healed. Either she was going to live or she was going to live. That's understanding the kingdom. Let me just break this down in a few different ways. When we understand the kingdom, we're distinguished from our enemy. Our battle lines are drawn. It's clear whose side we're on. We understand that everybody we see around us is not our enemy. Those that look differently are not our enemy. Those that vote differently are, are not our enemy. Those that disagree with us are, are not our enemy. But there is an enemy and he roams to and fro and he, he seeks to steal and to kill and destroy. But when we understand the kingdom, we're distinguished from our enemy. Andrew Murray said the children of the father are here in the enemy's territory where the kingdom which is in heaven is not yet fully manifested. What's more natural than that we learn to hallow the father name and should cry with deep enthusiasm, thy kingdom come. So when we battle the enemy, some of you are battling the enemy today. We cry thy kingdom come. When we understand the, the enemy, we declare our allegiance. We're, we're saying Oh, King, we are yours. Let your kingdom come in me. Rule and reign in my heart. This is the core of what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's bending the knee. It's, it's yielding our lives to Him. It's crying out as we used to sing, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. You are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and shape me after your will. Have thine own way, Lord, yielded and still. Spiris Zodiades said no other person or no other power or no other position or no other possession should be allowed to rule in our heart. God must be the absolute and uncontested sovereign. It's imperative that his kingdom come in our hearts before it can rule in our world at large. Heaven must be in us before we can be in heaven. God's kingdom must be in us before we can be in God's kingdom. Saying, "Oh God, our allegiance is to you." That's why, just after this in Matthew six thirty-three, Jesus could say, "But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added and given to you as well." Have you declared your allegiance to the King? Are you living as a loyal citizen to His kingdom? Eric Raymond says, We cannot cry out, Your kingdom come, while we're still promoting our own kingdom. Sin is an expression of disloyalty to the king. It's trading crowns. It salutes the flag of self over the flag of Christ. What flag is flying in your heart today? When we understand the kingdom, it also determines our agenda. Because our allegiance has been clear. It affects what we do, right? So we've prayed, Father, let your kingdom come in me. And now we pray, Father, let your kingdom come in this world. John Calvin put it this way. He said, it's the church's job to make the kingdom visible. If you are a Christ follower, you exist to promote his kingdom here now let me explain what that means that means the priority of your life cannot be the kingdoms of this world that that means your focus can't be the kingdom of your race your focus can't be the kingdom of your political party your focus can't be the the kingdom of your income source Your agenda is determined by the king. That means we surrender our lives to his will. That means we put our yes on the table, right? We, we sign the blank page and say, wherever you lead, I'll go, Father. Your kingdom determines my vocation. Your kingdom determines the priorities of my family. Your kingdom determines how I spend my resources, my time, and my dollars. Your kingdom come means kingdom is first to me. But here's what we do. Here's what we do. We do what Megan and Harry did. You know what they did? They opted out, right? Y'all saw that in the news, right? The prince saying, no thanks. We don't want to be a part of the royal family. And when we don't live with our allegiance and our agenda set by the king of kings, that's exactly what we're doing. God desires we acknowledge his sovereignty. And when we do, his kingdom begins to come in us, and then that positions us for this next phrase. We can then begin to pray, thy will be done. J.I. Packer reminds us that the purpose of prayer is not to make God do my will. That's going to come as a surprise to some of you. That would be magic, he says. The purpose of prayer is to line my will up with the heart of God. That, he says, is true religion. So when I pray I don't just kneel and go to God with my laundry list of wants the things I want him to do for me when I pray I first begin saying God as my king is the one that I am loyal to is the one who sets my agenda let me accept your will in my life God desires that we accept his will and our acceptance comes before our asking Remember, all these three petitions are about the glory of God. Cause your name to be sacred in my life. Let your kingdom come in my life. Let your will be done in my life. Why? Because that's exactly the way it's going to be forever. That's the way it is in heaven. In heaven we see God's pure and perfect will. Imagine what your life would be like if you had an army of angels that just would do whatever you asked them to do. Well, we know one who does. <laughs> He's the creator of all that is. He's the ruler of the universe. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. And right now at this moment in the midst of division in the midst of disease and death, in the midst of confusion, and in the midst of chaos here on this earth, God's perfect will is being accomplished in heaven. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to the Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. And that same God says that we can pray, let your will be done here just as it is in heaven. What does that mean? It means we come to a place where we accept his will. But we understand that acceptance is not just resignation. We don't live as fatalists who just say, oh, whatever will be, will be. No, we recognize that when there's a conflict between my will and God's will, the will of the king must always come first. Is that taking place in your life? The number one thing I'm asked about in ministry is this concept of God's will. So maybe you need to understand what Jesus is saying and what he's not saying. And to understand that, you need to understand how the Bible speaks about the will of God. First, there is the declared will of God. You may think of this as the perfect will of God. It's what's described in the book of Genesis. At the beginning when it says, God spoke and the world came into existence. It's what the prophet's talking about in Isaiah 46, 9. Remember the former things of old? I am God. There is no other. I am God. There's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. God's declared will or his perfect will is what happens when any sinner experiences salvation In Ephesians 1, it says, In him we've obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works in all things, according to the counsel of his will. His declared will, his perfect will, is that which is going to happen regardless of what takes place in this world. And according to God, the reality is that those things that touch our lives have filtered first through his will, sometimes even his declared will. We know this because of conversations that God had with our enemy. Conversations about Job, remember that? Satan came to talk to God about Job. Conversations about Peter, Jesus tells Peter, hey, Satan has requested to sift you, to wreak havoc in your life. And he allowed it. The declared will of God. But God's will doesn't always happen. So that lets us know there is such a thing as the desired will of God. I think of this as his preceptive will. Not perceptive, but preceptive. It comes from that word precept. The teachings of God. The things God gives us that he wants us to do. Think Ten Commandments. Think great commandment. Love God passionately. Love others intentionally. This is the will of God. This is what he desires for you. But guess what? The sinfulness in us, because we're born into this kingdom of man, this kingdom of darkness, sometimes we don't do the things God asks us to do. And we know that because Jesus says in Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. That's why C.S. Lewis would say there's ultimately two kinds of people in this world. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, okay, thy will be done. So we're living our lives trying to navigate this declared will of God. He woke us up this morning. That was his will, right? We're here in this place following his desired will. Which of these is Jesus teaching us to pray? Well, the clue is found in that phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. Because what's happening all the time in heaven? Both. <laughs> he, he's not only getting his declared will, he's getting his desired will. So he's saying, pray that the Father would give you that ability to accomplish what he desires in your life but we have this problem a kingdom conflict a kingdom chaos so we're like a little child that has a broken toy and is obsessed parent comes in one day with some great news you're not going to believe this. Someone has passed away and you have an inheritance. You, my child, are now a millionaire. What is the child obsessed with? <laughs> the broken toy. They, they can't gauge that concept in their mind. And the Bible tells us that we have this inheritance with, from God. God. That we are a royal priesthood. That we are children of the king. And yet we we look at the brokenness of this world. And it consumes us. And we get overwhelmed. We focus on the externals. Instead of that internal reality. And yet God wants us to see him simply for who he is. That's the core of Some of my favorite verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding, your will. In all your ways, acknowledge him. See that he's sovereign, and he will direct your path. It's beginning to pray, as Tim Keller says, that God, I will obey you whether I like it or not. God, I will trust you whether I understand or not. And that can be hard, can it? God, how do I accept your will when my loved ones have died? How do I accept your will when I've lost my child? How do I accept your will when I don't understand what's going on around me? Well, I just determined that you're going to be first. Let me make it real practical for you, just give you a few suggestions. You want his will to be done in your life, then make a decision to give him the first hour of your day. What if the first thing you did every day you wake up is just give an hour to God? Give him your best. Spend time in his word, spend time in his prayer, and then do as many of you are doing today give him the first day of your week. Prioritize those things that he's asked us to prioritize. Give him your best, and then give him your first fruits the best of your resources, the best of your time, and the best of your dollars, just as his word commands, give him your best. And as you give him your best and practically demonstrate that you're putting him first, see if his kingdom does not begin to be more clear in your life. Even in the dark moments. And we have a God who understands this. Because we've heard the words of Jesus. So Jesus said to Pilate, I know they call me the king, but my kingdom is not of this world. So Pilate allowed him to be crucified. And they put a, a crown, a crown of thorns on his head. But before that moment, Jesus demonstrated Humanity. He prayed to God in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember what he said? In Luke 22 and verse 41, it says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he prayed. And he said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Isn't that amazing? So Jesus not only taught us to pray, Jesus prayed this prayer. As the king of kings, he knelt in agony. His pain was so great that it says he sweat drops of blood. And yet he prayed, not my will, Father, but your will. And then it says, in the midst of this, an angel came to him and gave him strength. That's what I want you to understand today, that when you... When you fully embrace this prayer, when you begin to say, God, let your kingdom come in me, let your will be done in me, then whatever you face, though you may not like it, though you may not understand it, though you may not want to obey, whatever your face, he will strengthen you. He will come behind you and he will make his presence known. Why? Because we know how this ends. What I referred to before is in Revelation chapter 11. The kingdoms of this world will one day end. But the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ, He shall reign forever and ever. I want us to pray, but please understand this truth. You and me, we cannot effectively ask for God's provision or even his protection until we first acknowledge his rule and accept that his reign in our life. So let's do so even now. Would you pray with me? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to challenge some of you to really look at where you are in relationship to the king. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul
1: Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support.